after a couple week hiatus, welcome back to the Fun Guys Podcast, live from Iowa and Cleveland, respectively. I'm Grant Burkhart. Yeah, we're live from two places. Yeah, at the same time, the beauty of phones and technology, I'm surrounded by wires, Robbie, and you're surrounded by parking lot? Yeah, yeah, I'm in another urban parking lot, making a bad habit of it. Yeah, I don't know if that's the best... I don't know if that's the best place to be by yourself in Cleveland, is it? You know, no, no, no. You know, I don't, I don't do the Cleveland, Ohio fashion <laughs> thing. I think this is, this is according to these political candidates, this, this state is the place to be. I'll tell you what. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know what I want to do? I want to start uh, wearing an undecided Ohio voter shirt around. <laughs> See if I myself start gaining political power. <laughs> oh boy, I feel pretty empowered. Do you think if you did I, that, people would start trying to convince you wherever you went that that you should vote for a specific guy? Possibly. We seem like a real, like crucial breed right now, and yeah. I'm kind of taking advantage of it. I'm going around saying, I'm not showing my cards one way or another. Even if if I were to be leaning one way or another, I'm saying to everyone. I'm an undecided Ohio voter. Total power move. I think you'd get... Who's more powerful right now than an undecided Ohio voter? There isn't anybody. And it's certainly not Jim Lair. (laughs) Candy Crowley got it done last night as far as cracking the whip on the candidates. She was a little little intimidating at times. I I loved... I can't remember her name anymore. I had it written down somewhere, but the moderator of the second debate. Remember her name? Candy Crowley, yeah. She was... No, I've, oh, I'm sorry, of the vice presidential debate. You remember that one? Oh, no, no. I didn't get a chance. I can't remember her name. I'll look it up. But she was awesome. And she was right. great. Yeah, she was great. I mean, Lair had, had some trouble. But, you know, we, we got like four minutes into the podcast without making a Jim Lair joke. And that... Oh, no. No, that was hilarious. He yeah. had uh, Dale of the Week potential for sure. He did. If we had yeah, if we had potted last week, I think he would have been. Yeah, he would have been up there. Uh, but here's the deal: with this this Ohio thing. I'll tell you what. Obama was down at our alma mater in Athens. Yeah. And today, and then um, Ryan, the vice presidential candidate on the Republican side, was at my sister's college in Berea, which is right outside of Cleveland. These guys are just scaling the state, man. I see. I think pretty powerful. I think I might be the most powerful person in, in in maybe in the world right now, because Obama showed up today, this morning in Mount Vernon, Iowa, which is about Ooh, which is right. about twenty minutes from me, where I will be, at least in theory, voting in November, and then he went uh-huh. to Ohio, and my alma mater. Right. Where I was for the last four years and voted the last time. I mean, and does your boy was in New York last night. I mean, can we give this dude a break? Like, can we stop <laughs> making this on Air Force One. <laughs> I know. I wonder. I wonder what he does to relax. Because because there there has no way to be relaxes right now. Not even relaxing, but just you know how you, you can just close your eyes for like ten seconds and you you feel a little bit better than you did ten seconds before. Do you think he gets? Well, a, do you think he does that? I don't know. I wonder if he can't have jet lag ever. Yeah, he he can't afford it. Yeah, not to. But here's the here's the deal. The funny thing to me is, in this age of like social media, 
where like we're more disconnected from like face-to-face confrontation than ever. Like it seems like there's more demand for these political candidates to come places where votes are crucial. Like we want to see them in the flesh, even though in all other like communication exchanges, we don't want to see people in the flesh. Like, ah, oh, just yeah. email me. We don't have to meet up for lunch, you know. <laughs> yeah, just, just text, email. Mr. President, just yeah. text me. Just just shoot me an inbox on on Facebook. We'll be good. That must be where we draw the line with the president. And speaking of social media, I deserve something last night. And you, I know you're a staunch, like, proponent of Twitter when something big is going on. Oh, yeah. It's the coolest thing in the world, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I was just, it was just egregious last night. I was thinking... The last time we had this conversation, it was the replacement rest, right? Yeah, that was the last um, big event. The, the blown game. It was the last time we had the conversation about Twitter blowing up. If you'll remember correctly, everyone on your Twitter feed, or the vast majority of people, were genuinely fired up, genuinely upset, ready to start a movement. Last night... At the presidential debate that has a bearing, you know, uh, on the future of our country, yep. people were telling jokes. Yep. The vast majority of people were looking for, like, cynical or, like, satirical little things to quit at. Yep. <laughs> yep. Isn't that, that's a little bit back. That's a little bit backwards, yeah. <laughs> There's three. I mean, there was a lot to laugh about. But, yeah, it's just, the, you know, the disparity there is hilarious. You take our football dead seriously and then our politics ah yeah we'll just joke about it i i well i mean people that listen to this know us in some form they know that we didn't take that replacement ref thing seriously at all oh no i mean no. pete pete carroll as we'll get to this later pete carroll still might be my fun guy of the week really i mean well, he, i got a new one yeah i i don't know i haven't decided yet so i'm still kind of in flux but i mean like they keep winning so he keeps doing that that fun that fun guy little like Toss my headset off and like and, and like gallop down the sideline thing that he keeps doing. And he's doing it last week in the pouring down rain. Yeah, with just an ear to ear grin. Oh, and it totally messed up his feathery hair, but it still looked good. I mean, it's yeah. it's no, like if you he, he didn't know it was raining. He had no <laughs> idea. He was so happy. <laughs> he did. Yeah. <laughs> He, he's he's yeah. doing this thing that Steve Eiserman made really popular. And I know I'm not sure how big of a hockey guy you are, Robbie, but. Yeah, Steve yeah. Eiserman made a shot against Wayne Gretzky in the Blues back in the 90s, and he, like, lost his balance as he was celebrating. So he just did this kind of, like, flail his arms and his stick and his gloves in the air, and he was, like, tripping over himself but galloping at the same time. And that was kind of that's kind of what Pete that. Carroll is doing every week. But it's just pure and uninhibited joy. It's such a natural, organic reaction you can't help but love it. Like, I know. You know he's not staging these celebrations like some people do in the realm of sports. He's just, I mean, something happens and he just reacts. Yeah. <laughs> it's pouring down rain and his hair's wet and flapping around. I mean, I, I agree with you there. But, uh, you know, my, I'm going to get the fun, my fun guy out of the week, fun guy of the week out of the way right now. Oh, okay. I'll tell you what. It's Bill Snyder. It's your coach of the Kansas State Wildcats. Bill Snyder. He's, how old is he? I, oh, he man, he what? looks like he's 100. And he's got to be 80-something. But I'll tell you what, I was watching the footage today of him leading the team out onto the field. They're all slaying, all punk. He's just watching. 
he's out on his afternoon walk, you know, in the retirement village. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just walking casually. This guy is a complete fun guy. He, you know, he builds the program from scratch, okay? And then, you know, his successor takes over. Things don't go so well. He says, Ah, retirement, man, not for me. I'll just come back and we'll, you know, be ranked in the top five in a few years. Well, I'm, I think he's into his eighties. He's, I think he's got to be. Hang on. I mean, it's like it's like he retired and then the AD at Kansas State, you know, called him up and said, "Hey, man, you want to coach some football, have some fun?" He's like, absolutely. Yeah, he's seventy-three. Okay. That's, he he's, like, hey, mean, he, he's God bless him. He looks eighty, but he still coaches. I think that's the thing is you never look at Bill Snyder and say, "Oh, he's just a figurehead." No, he's, no, he seems like an actual coach. He, he wears the headset. Anyway. He's got the play sheet. Like he actually is a football. He's a football coach, right? And he's got Kansas State. I mean, good God, Grant! Kansas State's in the top five right now. I know, and, and they have, guy. and there are there is. There is a circle, and I, it's not a Google Plus circle or anything, but it's a circle of people that play sports and that are good at sports that look totally awkward doing it. You know oh, what I mean? Oh man, the the, the leader of the pack is is Hunter Pence from Major League Baseball, right? I mean he he could yeah, not yeah. run, bat, throw more awkwardly than he does. Colin Klein from Kansas State is another one of those guys. Oh. He has, there's no rhythm to his game whatsoever. No. Play in and play out. It's, it is, it's, it's almost uncomfortable to watch, but he's really good. I know, that's the thing. It is, it, really is, it is uncomfortable to watch because the only thing he does fluidly is run. But, but it, takes him, it takes him a little bit of time to like not look awkward when he runs. Yeah. He just kind of prods I'll, I'll along. I, I don't know. I, there's no other way to describe it besides a little bit awkward. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Like, there's a lot of awkwardness in baseball. I feel like I can remember growing up and watching El Presidente Dennis Martinez cock <laughs> his elbow back in his windup, <laughs> and like, and it, there's a lot. You know, with batting stances and stuff. I feel like. There's a lot of room, like Jeff Bagwell, like literally sitting on the toilet at the plate. It's like, but in football, you don't guys don't get out in space like like Colin Klein does, and and guys aren't you know they're not in position to look that awkward. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a good observation. I like that. Well, I'm but trying yeah, to think of what other guys. There's like Javale McGee. He's pretty uh-huh. awkward. He's pretty awkward to but watch. You know, and you don't even—you almost don't even notice it because you're too busy waiting for him to either make an absolute bonehead play or just throw down on someone. Yeah, he, he makes a total fool of himself like ninety percent of the time. Yeah, I'll never—I'll never forget watching him run the opposite way in a basketball game. <laughs> like his—you know—it's the aware the awareness on two K thirteen is probably around five. Yeah, I, I would think that's probably about right. I, I've got a fun guy. Now that you got yours out of the way, my fun guy of the week is Joe Girardi. And oh, really? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because he's giving me so much pleasure watching him shuffle around professional athletes. And I think he's just doing it for fun. I, I think he looks at Detroit and says, We can't beat them. We don't have 
We we don't have any players. We don't have any set of nine players who can beat Detroit. So he's like a guy playing MLB The Show. Like, changes his lineup every yeah. day. Like, he's on the waiver wires looking for, like, trades after one game. Maybe he's just bored. Right? I mean, he's just looking at that lineup going, God, we're... It's not my fault we pay A-Rod $29 million a year and he couldn't hit the broad side of China right now. Like, he just, oh, man. he's horrible. And then, and oh, then, okay, so so maybe he maybe he looks at it and he says, okay, A-Rod's not good. Okay, so who can I put in his place? Eric Chavez, hitless in the postseason. Maybe I'll just move Robinson Cano around. Oh, wait, he's two for 34. Like, who, who do I, who do I put? in that place. And so he just says, you know what? We're just going to bench everybody. It's the playoffs. I don't care. <laughs> don't I mean, he, should really, he should just revel in his one like spot-on decision of the postseason and fill out Raul Abana yeah. all nine of them. But, but the thing about that is I, he, I'm sure he thought that was going to bomb horrendously. And so he did it because he's like, oh, Raul Abanez. like He's just as bad as A-Rod is. And then whack. There you go. Home run. And so it worked, and it's. I think that's maybe why he's more of my fun guy than anything, is because you know, you know who else might you know who's my non fun guy of the week. It's not exactly a Dale, but it's someone who's just not fun for me, and it has to do with the series. And it's it's Justin Verlander. Like I see that he's the probable starter, and I'm not watching the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you no, know, it's a three zero series. It's as good as done. I don't. I just. I can't watch. I. I. He's great. He's good. But I know it's going to happen. It's. It's he, taken. It's the taken two of a baseball game. Whoa! Oh! You know, oh! How, how was it? Oh! It, I know it happened, but it how was. was it? it was delightful in its absurdities. Be, really? Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, we the last time we did this podcast, we talked about Jason Statham movies and the yeah, yeah. like the hierarchy of badassery in Hollywood. And yeah, yeah, right. And my god, Robbie, 20 minutes into the movie, he was he he and his family had made the decision to go back to Eastern Europe because that makes sense. And Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. And 20 minutes after that, he was giving intricate directions to his loved ones about how to stay alive. And I'm not just talking like go to latitude 37.6 and longitude 75.8. Like, he was saying, he was in the car with his wife, and he gave her easily 25-step directions on how to stay alive. He goes, turn okay. left, turn left, then right, then up the stairs, then find the boombox, play the boombox, drop the boombox off the oh. stairs, find the red bandana, grab the red bandana, choke out the bad guy with it, then find a red door, then a corridor, then go through that door. I mean, it was unbelievable. So, wait, wait, can I ask a couple of clarification questions? Yeah, of course. What, what were they doing? Were they touring Eastern Europe? Um, I this wasn't a vacation. Do you remember? Do you remember in the first movie how he and his wife were divorced and she had married another guy? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that that marriage was having trouble, and so Liam Neeson, being the nice guy that he is, he decided he had to do business in Istanbul, and so he said, "Why don't you?" meaning his wife, his ex-wife, and his daughter, come over and meet me there, and we'll have a nice couple days, and we will and we'll forget about oh, everything. So an entrepreneur. Right. He's probably most wanted. Right. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, half of Eastern Europe is dead because of him, and the other half wants to kill him. So they go on this vacation to yeah. Eastern Europe. Yep. 
Yeah, I want to put an emphasis on the uh, feasibility of that. It was. And within 20 minutes in movie time, they're already in lost and in combat. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, and he has his daughter throwing grenades onto empty parking garage tops and yeah. running on rooftops and sh- firing guns. The best, well, there were two best parts of it, and I'm not going to do the whole spoiler alert thing because you'll see it if you want to. Not you, but the people oh, no. listening. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I will. Uh, you know how in Safe, and I think this was, I think this was kind of like Safe. I think they took they took this directly from Safe. You know how Jason Statham made the panini for like a minute and right. a half. Okay, well Liam yeah, Neeson, yeah, Liam Neeson has caught up with the bad guys who have taken his ex-wife, and they're in this little, they're in this kind of little corridor. It's not a corridor; it's like a little courtyard in the middle of like four different buildings, and. There are four bad guys, all with guns pointed at Liam Neeson. He has his right arm up, pointing his gun at one of the bad guys. And with the left hand, while all this is happening, and they're in a stalemate, he makes a minute-long phone call to his daughter, giving her intricate directions on how to find them and what's going on. My God. Yeah. He's so knowledgeable. He's like a native. Yeah, like someone that knows the land. Yeah, you know? I mean, but what I Isn't couldn't, what I couldn't figure. If you're the bad guys there, you're just gonna let him make that phone call, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like distracted driving, distracted hold up. Speaking you're of driving, that's the mistake, second. Right? That's that's the second part of that. The driving is a good segue because the other part of it that's great is that his daughter. It, the the beginning of the movie starts off with his daughter trying to take a driver's test to get her license. And she doesn't end up going or something like that. And then halfway through the movie, she has to drive a stick shift taxi away from bad guys through the narrow streets of Eastern Europe. Right. Yeah. Oh. And actually, like the one thing that's like the stark opposite of what she's like physically capable <laughs> yep, of doing. Yeah. Yeah. She's, e- she's, she's Tokyo drifting. Off. She's e-brake sliding. She's taking gunfire. And all he's saying is faster, Kim. Faster. Faster, Kim. Let's go. Wow. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm it really is. Ready for it. It's, I'm excited. It is. It's fantastic. Uh Cleveland got a win, Robbie. Cleveland yeah, Cleveland won a that? Cleveland won a game. This town was rocking. And I, a little too optimistic. We need to pump the brakes now. You know, it's like a wave of good news right now in, in town. And like people are confusing a win and a new owner and a new CEO and a new regime with, um, we're going to win the division this year. Yeah. <laughs> that 12 too many times. Are you kidding me? Even people are saying like, we're going seven and nine. It's like, I've never seen people run with a little positive news like Clevelanders do. Cleveland, I mean, Cleveland sports talk radio has to be fantastic. Uh, it's it's something else. Sports talk radio in Cleveland's it's it's very no no one's ever happy, man. <laughs> Everyone's always so upset. If there's nothing like positive to say about any, it's always this guy needs to leave town. This player needs benched. You know, this person needs to get his you know what together. It, I. There's never a positive to take away, but like 
again, the hilarity of the whole situation with the Browns is they they just got a new owner in the middle of a season. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous when you get a new quarterback in the middle of the season. It's a little ridiculous when you get a head coach, a new head coach in the middle of the season, but a new owner. <laughs> and then our team president just got canned, basically forced to retire, if you will. And, and you know, we got a new CEO coming in. I mean, it's, this team's going to get mutilated. It has kind of a feel to me of the 95 Browns if, if they weren't leaving town. Do you know what I mean? Because if you yeah. watch that documentary, it was kind of like everyone was watching something that wasn't going to be there next year. And I'm kind of getting the notion that, well, not a lot of this team is going to be there well, next year isn't, as far as the coaches, the executives. Isn't that the way it's been every year for like the last half decade? Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that part. <laughs> all like 17 quarterbacks part. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of thought about at the debate when um, when I think Mitt Romney said something to Barack Obama, you know, He's had his four years. It's kind of his rhetoric. He's had his four years. It hasn't worked out. It's got to go. It reminds me of, like, either the Browns or Notre Dame's head coaching position mm. to me. It's like, that's what, like, these presidential, like, every four years elections, like, the rationale is always, uh, he's had his three years. It's three years at Notre Dame, right? And in Cleveland, it's just about three years. Well, and is it? I mean, it's isn't that, it? It's more like eighteen months, isn't it? In Cleveland, yeah. With coaches, we've. I mean, with coaches, we've we've held a little longer. Quarterbacks, it's more like eight months. I'd say. Yeah. I think it's literally on average we have a starting quarterback, a new one every eight months. Yeah, yeah. Since '99. Now, the best thing is. And maybe the worst, because the Browns have a legitimate shot at a number one pick, which is what people on the opposite end of the optimism spectrum are saying. Maybe we can play for the number one pick instead of go seven and nine, which isn't going to happen anyway. No. You know, but the who is, lo and behold, city of Cleveland, who is challenging you to be the worst team in the league? But Romeo Cronell, <laughs> offensive coordinator Brian Dable, and quarterback Brady Quinn, That's... the exact Cleveland Browns trio of five years ago. That's that's amazing, isn't it's it? Like I want they play each other. I'm pretty sure this year. And oh if, man! If, if this holds, we are going to be watching the Browns of five years ago with the Browns today. Now, think about all the times with people, like, you know, analysts. ESPN did a film series where they put, like, the Cowboys of the 90s against the Packers of the 60s or something. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. When you were little. Think about the times people do that in sports. Just, oh, what if this, you know, what if LeBron's Heat team played Jordan's Bulls team? You know, people do that in their minds all the time. We might see the sickest and most twisted version of it. Mm Mm-hmm. With Browns Chiefs this year, if Brady Quinn can hold it together, which he already isn't, <laughs> he had an awful game. Oh yeah, I I picked up the Bucks defense in fantasy because I knew they were playing Brady Quinn. Yeah, and 
Brady, they, that was a defensive touchdown yeah. in that Chiefs Bucks game. Yeah. So, my goodness. Yeah. And, and that was a defense that gave up 38 points to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I, the NFL is pretty up in the air right now. But let, let me assure you that no matter what anyone in Cleveland that's delusional says, the Browns aren't going 7-9. and nine. Yeah, I don't live in. Happen. I don't think they're going to win seven games in the next two years, Robbie. Really? Oh, now I don't know if I can go there. But I, you know what? I don't know, man. If he I, gets the number one pick. How is Brandon leading the quarterback next year? Well, that's that's what don't I mean. Think, hey, don't you think there's going to be so much hype about let's get a, a Geno's? How ridiculous do you feel? You're not even from here. Like no one wants to talk about Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of interested in Cleveland right now. Oh, I am. I love it. I but but you've you've helped me understand the worth of bad football. I mean, I watched. I and it's my job here, but yeah, I right. I would have watched it anyway. I watched Iowa Michigan State in the worst Big Ten football game I've ever seen. Oh yeah. This past weekend, I mean, yeah. it was terrible. And so yeah, I will I will always love bad football. I I. I, I I have to admit I didn't I couldn't bring myself to watch Chiefs Bucks last weekend because Brady Quinn it's like watching a train wreck except I do want to turn away I don't want to watch that but yeah like okay when the Browns and Chiefs play and old school NFL primetime with Berman and Tom Jackson would have played like circus music in the back circus music in the background and and said well someone had to win yeah you know the, the NFL is a little harder for me to come to terms with like awful performances, but college I can watch I can watch relatively bad football. But I my perfect weekend would go something like this: the noon Northwestern and Indiana game, right? Oh yeah, um, yeah. The Pam Ward. It, it would be yeah. It would be a three thirty. It's probably around like a Wake Forest uh, Duke game. Basically, <laughs> it's like yeah. on the ACC network on like your offbeat. Like local channel, yep. you know. Like I don't know what it normally is. It's like Ion or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, locally yeah. carries that, and then well, then you would go into the. Uh, there's always like a six o'clock, like earlier than normal start of a bad SEC game, like Ole Miss Mississippi State style. Even though Mississippi State's good this year, I guess it'd be like Ole Miss Missouri. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. like an oddball SEC in there to kind of transition you into the night games, and then especially as this time of year comes down to it, you you go with that team that kind of tanked that people expected to be good but didn't, or that big names, big football school that's having an off year, yeah, playing a prime time game, yeah. You go there, and then and never overrate this. After you you start, you watch the first half of that ten thirty. I think it's normally like a UCLA Arizona State slugfest. Washington Washington then, State rivalry game. Right, and then you have to cap your night off if you want to do it right. You got to cap it off with Hawaii San Jose State. <laughs> the inevitable. I feel like there's always a Hawaii San Jose State game right at midnight. That puts me right to sleep. Hawaii has a football team just for that. Hawaii has a football team just for that. Just extend college football from 9 a.m. start of college game day to 3 a.m. the next day. Yep. 
yep. the end of the Hawaii San Jose game, which is never a close game. It's always a blowout, the midnight game. Yep. You don't know why one team is blowing out the other. You yep. just accept it. Yep. But yep. then my next favorite thing is, and my roommate and I did this in college, every week um, we used to go, because it's the fall, you know, I like a good Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Yeah. We used to get mega mugs of them, just 32 ounces of Oktoberfest. <laughs> We'd study and watch the 4 o'clock football games at the bar. The inevitable Seahawks-Cardinals game. Yes. Which this for year reason, doesn't look terrible, but I understand what you're saying. Right. Right. But for some reason, the Seahawks are, like, I'm always going to, like, laugh watching a Seahawks game. Or a 4 o'clock game in general. Yeah. It, you know, if you yep. watch, there's all there's sometimes New England does a good four o'clock game. Never watch that. No, never. I don't think I've ever watched that kind of a game. But that's the weekend for me. That's a hey that that seems like a Hall of Fame weekend. And I feel, but I feel like I'm never watching any different teams. I do the time slot every day, but I feel like I'm always watching Indiana versus Northwestern. Yeah. I'm always watching Seahawks Cardinals, you know, Hawaii San Jose. I, I never even, like, it never registers that they're different teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just the quality of ball. The, uh, the, the season of weird continues. It's, a, it's been a wacky NFL season. The NFC West has more teams above 500 than the entire AFC does. I didn't even know that. Yeah, Baltimore. Yeah, everyone's three and three. That's right. Yeah, Baltimore and Houston are the only teams above five hundred in the AFC. Wow, that's so bizarre. Me- yeah. Wow. Meanwhile, Cardinals, Cardinals, Forty Nine ers, Seahawks, all above five hundred, all four and two. Uh, Plus, the Giants. Yeah, the Giants are four and two. So a lot of the NFC because you have a six and zero South. Yeah, just stronger. Right. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just a bizarre season. Speaking of bizarre, I have a story, and it uh, it transitions us back into politics a little bit. But I, I figured you'd like this. I was sitting around the other night, and what I've started to do is I've gotten back into reading, which is a no- uh-huh. it's a novel concept. Yeah, it's it is. It's uh, it's something I haven't done in a while. So I I'll like turn off Netflix and I'll go read at night. But before I could turn off the TV. I stumbled across this thing on my TV guide, and it said, and I, I swear to you, this is what it said. It said, Battle of Antietam Live. What? <laughs> the, yeah, you, are we, you heard are it. Are we a couple like, centuries late on that? It was, it was on C-SPAN 3. Right? I didn't even know they had that many wow. C-SPANs. And it said, Battle of Antietam Live. And keep in mind, and I'm reading this straight from Wikipedia, that the Battle of Antietam, also known as the Battle of Sharpsburg, particularly in the South, uh, was fought during the American Civil War, took place, and it was the bloodiest single-day battle in American history with about 23,000 casualties on both sides. Right, okay. So, naturally, naturally I have to click on it. Right? Uh And it's not just that it says the Battle of Antietam live, right? But the time slot was from 7.57 p.m., Central Standard Time to five oh four AM Central Standard Time. Which is oh, which is a, which is a cool nine hours and seven minutes of the Battle of Antietam live. Civil War action. Wait a minute, C Span three is a thing. <laughs> yeah. 
that, wow. That's a thing. There's so much about this story right now that's blowing my mind right. already. I figured you would like it, so I took some notes, okay? So I clicked on it, okay. and it, the first thing I, I saw was that it wasn't the Battle of Antietam Live. <laughs> they, they, lied, they lied to me to get me to click on it. But the one thing that I saw right away was the number of mustaches that were on the screen, which very well could have been the Civil War, but it was just a bunch of historians talking about Abraham Lincoln, which is, I mean, it's, it's the same time period as the Battle of Antietam live, but it's... That doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, okay, so the first thing I heard from this poor, poor guy, Mark Neely, who had a wonderful, wonderful mustache, was, and I quote, my sixth argument, end quote, and I just started laughing because I had tuned in at the perfect time to hear him say my sixth argument about Abraham Lincoln. Oh. I mean, he was giving this big, long, intricate speech about Lincoln, and I'm thinking, oh, it's so, you know. Maybe I'll learn something about Lincoln. And a, this, I had to watch. I watched for like twenty-five minutes, and he just bashed him. Really? He, oh yeah. He the big guy. He bashed no the big guy. Oh yeah. He just bashed. I, well, at least I think he was bashing the big guy. I, I he was talking about how he didn't do the he didn't make the Emancipation Proclamation Proclamation speech for the reasons that everybody thinks he did and. That he really did it for selfish reasons and blah, blah, blah. It was just, oh, it was horrible to listen to. But it got me thinking. And I tell that story to tell this one, right? And I'll, I'll do this. I'll do the, the phrase that you're on right now, your kick phrase right now. But, okay, so in 1860, what was 1863 Emancip Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation? Some, sometime uh, in that time period. Yeah, I can't think of the actual right. date. But So he makes this, this big speech. It wasn't big. It was short. Uh, and, and he basically, at least, is the gateway to freeing the slaves and, and to ending slavery. Okay, so do you think, and, and this, is what, this is what crossed my mind, that like 50 years later, because we do this now, 50 years later, after the Emancipation Proclamation, somebody who was in attendance for that told this story to their kids and said, oh, I was in attendance when I was there when Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. And the kid went, and he, you know, I imagine in my head this kid's like an eight-year-old, and he and he goes, "Wait, that was slavery. That was a thing. You guys actually did that. Like you guys actually did that. You you like actually like owned other people. Like you know, it's it's probably true. And you know, I feel like we're about fifty years from." Still, some ugly civil rights times, and don't you get the feeling that like you can't believe that some of that stuff was a thing? Like, yeah, I. Schools, well, I'll, I'll even go. Fountains. I'll even go a little bit farther than that. I think it's going to happen in the next forty years, because this whole this this giant gay marriage thing that's going on right now. Yeah. This is a really good oh, yeah. one because I know, I know that people are going in forty years. They're going to say, "I remember the day that Barack Obama said that he was for gay marriage." And for gay rights, and and our little kids are going to look at us and say, "You guys were idiots." Like yeah. what? Like what was wrong with you that you thought that wasn't okay? <laughs> and you know, you, I, like, you, Daddy, that was a thing. Gay marriage was a like that was a that was a talking point. 
being against it was a thing. Yeah, it's it's weird how everyone kind of evolves. I just, I, you know, we're still in the low twenties. I don't know when we're gonna just become, you know, grumpy and stubborn about everything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when it happens. Uh, I don't know what the point is when you just become like you, I make this point all the time. I don't know when you go from being a knowledgeable sports fan to being like my grandfather. Yeah. Who like yeah. yells at the TV and and like thinks everybody is the players that he thinks that every good thing that happens is the is by the player that he likes and that every bad thing that happens is by the player that he doesn't. Right. Right. It's kind of like you know what? I I feel like what's happening is we're starting to see it already because the replacement ref thing I feel like people were genuinely upset and kind of just kind of at least a little ignorant about it. You know, they every they were really just looking for any kind of mistake. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and again, it's just it, what it comes back to for me is I think at some point like that's gonna switch. Like I feel like maybe our generation will get like serious about politics in like 20 years like really serious on like on twitter and stuff and then maybe we'll loosen up on the nfl <laughs> i don't i see i don't think that ha- i don't think that's going to happen unless the nfl takes a nosedive i think the I mean, nfl is as big as ever man <laughs> it's unbelievable to me that like we have radio shows tv shows on all week talking about like check and balance checking and balancing the NFL. Yeah. And we don't have one NFL show that's like maybe like NFL fantasy now on the NFL network, but we have no shows that are like late night comedy or like Colbert and John Stewart. That just complete they completely just you know, mock politics. Yeah. They- if we were to like create a show mocking the NFL would probably, uh, would probably take it seriously. Like, if you were to start making fun of, you know, the Chiefs or the Browns or the Bengals, like, there would be a good deal of fans that, like, don't turn down with the humor against their team and would start arguments over it. Yeah. You know what? I think that show would actually do really well. The Mocking the NFL? Yeah. I think that show would do really well. I, I think it's a good idea. I think if you did that show kind of like Jon Stewart does his, where it's smart, although it's funny too, you know, like you you made some good rational... Because they tried that. Norm MacDonald tried that. I think it was called Sports Show. Or right. Something right. like that. It was on Comedy Central, and it bombed because it was just terrible. Yeah. It's, it's hard to get something like that going. Yeah. But I, mean, I think that what, show could look work. At, look what's in, in power still. I mean, Colbert and Stewart, they really carved out their niche... But, like, the, the late-night talk shows on the networks are still, you know, big money makers. And yep. so are the, the morning news shows. And it really takes a while for people to carve out their niche. I mean, ESPN really hasn't hasn't carved out much past SportsCenter. I think maybe the documentaries, the 30s, the 30s, are, you know, they're another big thing. But really, you know, you don't see <laughs> You don't get around the TV and watch NFL Live or college yeah. football today. You know no. what I mean? Nope. So that's where those new networks, NBC and CBS Sports, are really, really going to have to 
find a way because the, the NBC highlight show where some automated like voicemail voice like <laughs> yeah. hurry you through blitzkrieg you through like you know 20 minutes of every highlight in this world of sports that's not going to cut it no no I think that show that, that making fun of the NFL show would be really that would be something interesting um, so I, I couldn't yeah. help but think I was watching the debates and you know this is coming but I couldn't help but think what NBA player past or present I would want to moderate a presidential debate. To moderate a presidential debate. I think the easiest answer, and this is, and that's why I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go with it. But I think the easiest answer oh, is, yeah. is Barkley, right? Charles Barkley. Yeah, that's the obvious one. That's the yeah, obvious so, one. But who would you want? Second? I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you one better. I think. I want Bill sure. Walton. I want Bill Walton. Oh. That's who oh. I want. I want. I want, and I don't just want Bill Walton. I want like 1972 freshman at UCLA, Bill Walton. <laughs> just a little naive to the world. I want, yeah, I want like long hair, shaggy beard, hippie Bill Walton to moderate a debate between moderate. Mitt Romney and Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, gosh, this is just such a. Cause you know, the NBA has has some. Personality. I think Ron Artest would be <laughs> a CTV. That would be great. Uh, yeah, Ron Artest. I mean, because just because of, for nothing else, because of that post game press conference after he won the NBA Finals. Yeah, <laughs> he's kind of that hilarious. That's like bordering on like dangerous and kind of scary. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So like, I think that helps him out because no one would like no one would take it serious. No one takes. Tio and Chad Ochocinco seriously. They're just like goofballs looking for attention, really. But when it comes down to it, you're looking at Ron Artest and like you're you're kind of nodding along. I feel like if you're one of the candidates, yeah, because he's. Like, it, it's, I mean, it's not like, like he hasn't climbed over a desk before and attacked people in the crowd, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, do you have a bail of the week here? Uh, I do. And this was one from last week, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Uh, Kansas City fans for cheering um, Matt Castle's injury. I think that's the easiest one. Uh, yeah, that, that was that was pretty horrible. horrible. And so, yeah, Kansas City Chief fans, normally good, good fans. Not, one of the rowdiest yeah, places. No, no, one, normally one of the rowdiest places. Um, hard to, yeah, it's hard to win there. Yeah. I, no matter how, even if it was pretty quiz playing, yeah. You know it's bad if you can't, you know, if you're getting blown out of the arrowhead. Yeah, you got a Dale? Um, you know, I I had some trouble with this. I got to, you know, I I wanted to believe in the kid ever since he came out of college. I thought he was like one of the better college football players I'd seen in a long time. I feel like there's a receiver every year that I love in college. Crabtree was one. Blackman was one, uh, even Fitzgerald. I mean, Randy Moss was the original yeah. at Marshall, hands yeah. down. But it's got to be um, Des Bryant. That, I mean, just the sequence at the end of that game where he he just drops the ball and then helps assist in mismanaging the time by doing uh, <laughs> with the rest. Yeah. Twenty seconds left. The clock's rolling. It's like he has, you know, he just has no regard for, for his awareness is down. 
Yeah, I think there's, unfortunately, there's just guys that just can't do anything right. I mean, he caught 12 passes. He had a really good game, and he caught the touchdown pass that got him within two. But there there are just guys like that that even if they have a great day like that, they'll find some way to screw it up. Right. You know? And, you know, I, I, I have to do a an honorable mention from the last month because I just, just like, there's been stories, I mean, I feel bad that you know, he's having some issues, but what what was Billy Gillespie doing at Texas Tech oh. basketball? He was practicing them, like he was, like, that was like live Antietam like practices. <laughs> like C-SPAN 3 stuff, like, this is by no means a major program, and by no means is it going to help you at all to practice for eight hours a day. Yeah, no. Nope. You know, I just finished reading up on, like, what was really happening, because that story kind of broke, and then his health issues broke. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he just kind of got out of there and became a non-story. But I, I just had to touch on that. It's one thing with Rich Rod's thing at Michigan where, oh, we, you know, maybe threw an extra practice in there on a weekend or, you know, it was an NCAA violation. People made a big deal about it. Practice doesn't end with Billy Gillespie, yeah. apparently. I mean, it's, that, it's not like basketball is like a leisurely game. Like, if I were a college golf coach, I might run, like, nine-hour, four-a-days. <laughs> Golf, like every you know, every guy in America does that on the weekend. But basketball, yeah. I and mean, I remember my first set of knees, like <laughs> yeah. four kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we should, we should probably. Uh, how long are we right now? Uh, we're about forty-three. We're about forty-three minutes. Uh, I'll end on this. Uh, A couple uh, Sundays ago, Drew Brees was going for the for Johnny Unitas's record. And I've been wanting to do this. I wrote these. Oh, yeah. I wrote these down last week, and and you and I both saw the exact same thing. And I feel like at some point we have this telepathy where even though we're four states over, if we see something on TV that we both know the other one's going to like, we immediately send a text message or somehow contact each other about it. Well, exactly. Yeah. The uh, Joe Unitas, the son of Johnny, was just sauced in the stands he was, in New Orleans. He was getting rowdy. He had, <laughs> I mean, we're talking of the aluminum 16-ounce Bud Light bottles. At, at all times. Permanently. One to the face. Permanently. He was permanently holding at least one aluminum Bud Light bottle. So. This wasn't congratulate Drew Brees for breaking my dad's record. This <laughs> was, let's go to New Orleans and let's get hammered. Yeah, that was, that was what Joe Unitas did. So. In the spirit of Uncle David Letterman, a uh, guy we love very, very much here on the Fun Guys podcast, I have come up with a top five list, and I'm going to try and read it, and you can't do Letterman's style justice, but I'm going to read it somewhat like David Letterman's style. So, the top right. five reasons Joe Unitas was slammed in the stands at a New Orleans Saints game. Number five, I got Bud Light, I got Bud Light to sponsor me for the night. <laughs> Number four... I thought the song was called, oh, I thought, uh, oh, when the Saints come drinking in, number three. Just throwing a couple up to the big guy, Big Johnny U. <laughs> number two, when in Rome, drink like the Romans do. And number one, reason why Joe Unitas was slam-sauced in the stands in New Orleans, Mr. Breeze said it was okay. 
That's the top five reasons Joe Unitas was slammered. Yeah, I like number three because I think that his dad would be the same way. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I could imagine him being a fun guy. Him and, him and Joe is. Namath. I'm sure him and Joe Namath oh, would be yeah. the same kind of guy. Yeah, they probably killed it after that Super Bowl, honestly. Yeah, like, probably. They probably had us all, you know, fooled. You know, we're writing NFL history like Namath came in and took something from them. They probably <laughs> went out right after that game. <laughs> Namath runs into the locker rooms. You see him holding his finger in the air. He runs in and Unitas is sitting on a cooler waiting for him. Yep. Good game, buddy. Time to drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> Get blacked out. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, all right, so that's it. By the way, Robbie, we're on iTunes. Yeah, how about it? Yeah. 2012. We're on iTunes. That's kind of fun. Um, yeah. Just a thought for the next time we do this. I'm in search of an NBA team because the NHL, rest in peace, is locked out. Uh, I can help you out with that. And I'm doing this thing where every time I say the NHL, rest in peace, I have to say rest in peace after it. <laughs> Um, so, so if you ever see me hashtag NHL RIP because it's dead, yeah, it's gone. Um, so yeah, I'm giving up on the NHL, uh, because yeah, and I need need an NBA team and my front runner, my leader in the clubhouse had a, had a big hit to it today. Kevin Love out six to eight weeks with a broken hand or wrist or something. And, uh, I love the Love Rubio, like Brandon Roy and, um, uh, what's the kid's name from Oregon who plays there now? Not Kirk Heinrich. There's another white guy. Lu- oh, Luke Ridenour. Luke Ridenour okay. plays for the Timberwolves now. Oh, okay. And yeah. so do, I think J.J. Barea does too. They're, they are the juggernauts of the NBA. They're just like the, like the full white lineup of the NBA. So they were oh, my yeah. they were my leaders in the clubhouse. And uh, right. and now loves out six to eight, mind. but I'm very much open to anybody to any team in the NBA. So keep that in mind for the next time we do this. Also, we'll talk about the fantasy league I'm starting for the NBA. Oh, okay. Which you're going to be a part of. Yeah, I would. Talk about that next time. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. All right, all right, cool. That's all right. Unique. Sounds good. We did our fun guys and dales of the week. This has been the Fun Guys Podcast. Robbie Giuliano, say goodbye. God bless Brandon Weezy. Let's go win number two. <laughs> Nine and seven Cleveland Browns in like 12 weeks. No, that's not going to happen. This has been the Fun Guys Podcast. We'll talk to you again next time. Robbie, I'm going to do this thing as we go out here. I'm going to always say live long and poppers. That's going to be my thing as we get out. Live long like and poppers, that. Robbie.